Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Welcome back. We have finished the works of Hesiod, and now we're going to go through a collection of poems called the Homeric Hymns. They are not, in fact, by Homer, although they are in his style and were once attributed to him, even though they were written over the span of centuries. Most of the poems are fragmentary, so I'm going to group them by subject matter, so which god they're dedicated to. In the order, simply the order in which they are numbered. So we won't be going strictly one, two, three, four, because those aren't all about the same god, but we will start with number one, and the next myth episode will start with number two, and so on. There are multiple translations available online. I will be working from my hard copy, which is a 1995 translation by Susan C. Shelmerdine. But the numbering is uniform, so whatever you're using, your hymn one is the same as mine. And with that, let's look at our first set of Homeric hymns, hymns to Dionysus. So we'll start with hymn one. And it starts off well uh, with where Dionysus was conceived and born. On Draconon, or maybe Icaros, or it could have been Noxos, uh, or maybe it was by the river Alpheos. <laughs> so we don't exactly know where this happened, but the poet is clear that Semele is his mother and Zeus is his father. Now, there are some who say that this happened in Thebes, but those people are liars. Zeus hid Semele and Dionysus so that Hera wouldn't know about them. So in case you're wondering how firm these myths are, you can see that even the ancients couldn't agree on the quote-unquote real story. This is one of the fragmentary poems, so there's a break after the discussion of the god's natality. The poem ends with a plea that Dionysus be propitious, and there is a comment about how he drives women mad, an indication of the ecstatic worship practices of his cults. We'll see this in full effect when we read Euripides' uh, The Bacchae. The poet then says farewell to both Diomedes and Semele, which makes sense since it appears that the missing part uh, spoke a lot more about Semele. We'll take a break and go over another hymn to Dionysus when we get back. Hymn 7 is the longest of the three hymns to Dionysus. It tells a specific story. Dionysus is hanging out on the shore looking all broody with his dark hair and purple cloak. And some Tyrsenian uh, pirates see him and think he looks like a prince. And any good pirate knows what a prince is good for. Kidnapping for ransom. Side note, don't ask where these pirates came from. No one is exactly sure. Maybe they were Etruscan? Anyway, the pirates try to tie Dionysus up, but the ropes just fall right off. And Dionysus doesn't say anything, or really do anything. He just sits there and smiles. The helmsman catches on and tells his comrades, comrades that they should stop what they're doing because clearly this is no prince, and all they're going to do is piss Zeus off. 
The captain, however, tells the helmsman to just do his job because this clearly is a prince and he'll be willing to talk once they get away. Sure, they may have to sail as far as Egypt or Cyprus or Hyperborea or even farther, but he'll talk and they'll be able to ransom him. So they hoist the mast and the sails and start on their way. They haven't gone far when some wine starts to trickle down the mast. And they look up to see grapevines growing on the sails. And the vines continue to grow and start to overwhelm the entire ship. And the sailors finally acknowledge that the helmsman may have been right and beg him to steer towards shore. But before they can reach the shore, Dionysus turns into a lion and kills the captain. Sailors jump overboard and turn into dolphins, but the helmsman, being the only one of the pirates to recognize Dionysus before this epiphany, receives the god's blessing. Have you heard this story before? It isn't really one of the common Dionysus stories. We tend to think of the jolly god who's all about wine and leisure and theater, but he is very violent as we see in this story. And again, we'll see this violent behavior um, when we read the Bacchae. We'll take one more break before going over the final hymn to Dionysus. The final of the three hymns to Dionysus is number 26. It appears to be complete, but it is not very long. Shelmerdine imagines it being sung at one of his festivals. The poet sings of how Dionysus is the son of Zeus and Semele, and how he was raised by nymphs in the caves of Nyssa, a location mentioned in hymn one. And that is how he grew until he was old enough to roam around the glens where ivy and laurel le- wearing ivy and laurel leaves and followed by the nymphs who raised him. And they were all happy. At this, the poet says farewell to Dionysus until next year's festival and hopefully until all of the years thereafter. We get a little bit more about Dionysus' childhood from this poem. Um, It picks up where him one leaves off, or at least where him one breaks, um, where we have that missing section. Um, So there you have the three Homeric hymns to Dionysus. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them and on Dionysus as, as a god of what you imagined versus how he's presented in these poems. As always, there's a link to the blog in the show notes. On Monday, we'll read one of the most famous Greek tragedies, Oedipus Rex. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.